What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey everyone, it's Rachel Silver Cohen from Unpolished Therapy. And of course, once again, I'm here with my trusty sidekick, Dr. Boca. What's going on, Dr. Boca? I'm so happy to be back. I am so happy to be back with you and join you on another train wreck maybe or a beautiful ride in the countryside. I'm not sure because we never know where this is going. Well, we always start out buckled up and we think <laughs> that we're smooth sailing. And then if we derail, that's okay. We're that's prepared, okay. Right? We, we break down the wreckage, right? We do. We do. I want to tell you something before we start up with whatever we're going to talk about today. But just to kind of circle back from last week, for those of you out there listening, I know we were talking about successes and failures. And ironically, this week, I caught just the tail end of a little interview with M. Night Shyamalan, the filmmaker. Right, Lori, do you know who he is? You do, right? You don't. Okay. Give me a film, maybe. He's a filmmaker. He's done a lot of great stuff. And I just caught a tell him, but the reason I'm even bringing it up is because he's now working with his two young daughters. Okay. One actually is like directing whatever project they're working on now. And the other one was supposed to be some type of musician, but now is on board with them in their filmmaking directors, whatever they do in that craft. But the point of the story is that, I mean, maybe he listened to our podcast. I don't know. Did he quote us? No, but I just love that we're on the same page with someone who actually is like a real successful person. (laughs) Um, But he was talking about that he tells his kids all the time that they don't fail enough. And he tells them repeatedly, keep failing, keep failing, keep failing. And I just got such a kick out of that because I was like, yes, that's what we were talking about just last week. That's exactly what we were talking about. Fuck up, right? Yeah, just keep, I mean, he didn't say it the way we said it, but he's not unpolished. He's not unpolished. So I just thought that was cool. Anyway, we don't have to go backwards to go forwards, or maybe we do, but what are we going to dive into today? So, you know, some of the listeners have written into us and communicated to us that they're at this like funky stage of life right now. And I also think that it coincides, you know, what I'm seeing in my practice, as well as what I'm experiencing through the COVID experience, right? And what's happening nationally is this concept of reinventing ourselves and empowering ourselves to be everything that we want to be and not necessarily give up any one passion, sector, job, role, responsibility, whatever word we want to use. And I'm just hearing it over and over and over again. And, you know, I look at myself and I sit across, well, a screen with you now, but in, you know, in general next to you. And I think to myself, we just did it. We just like kind of reinvented ourselves and added another layer into our life. So I appreciate what these people are saying. And I think it's coming predominantly from women, but I don't discredit or discount the fact that men are experiencing the same thing. And so if you would oblige, is that the right word? I don't even know. But if you would go along with me, I would like to explore this a little bit because I think it's a very poignant topic right now. I could not agree more. And I'm chomping at the bit. I'm literally grabbing the mic, right? This topic is so relevant to me, but I too, in my circles, not even just people who have given us feedback on our podcast, but in our daily life, I hear from so many people 
this scenario of like, who am I and what happened to me? And I identify so much because from a personal experience, I know from very early on that whole piece of giving up a career to now raise children, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, that's a luxury item. There's no question about it. But it's a pretty hefty price to pay to give up who you thought you were from that career-minded individual to now what comes right out of my mouth is to just be a mom. And, and I, I mm. hate that because I don't want stay-at-home moms to think that I'm undervaluing that because I'm not. But from my perspective, there's such a difference. And for me, I did lose who I was when I gave it up. And now fast forward all these later, I think the price was high. So to all these women out there, and yes, to your point with men as well, how do we redefine ourselves now? Because it's not too late. I see these commercials on TV, like Phoenix College on the internet or, you know, University of Phoenix or like, I don't even know if that's a real college, but someone out there is going to the University of Phoenix as a 50 plus year old single mother who doesn't have a lot of money. And then the next thing you know, the commercial fades out with they have a diploma and now they have their own law practice. So Mm -hmm. like anything is possible, right? Yeah. Um, The point I would want to make, and I want you to speak to this also, is that for me, my redefining myself, reinventing myself, figuring out how do I get out of this identity crisis and make it into a metamorphosis of becoming a new butterfly, it did come from a place of darkness because I hedged it off of the fact that I was unhappy in my marriage. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, I don't want people, you know, we're in, in this new spirit, 2021, we want to keep things positive, plan B, B, E, you know, so on and so forth. I want people to recognize that even when you're seemingly happy and things are going great and you have the picket fence and you have that partner and your kids are the 2.5 and they're on the right track, it doesn't mean that you can't reinvent yourself. Sure. And who you were then is who you are now and taking steps to nurture yourself. I wrote an article a while back and I am going to put it on my blog again to just kind of refresh everyone's memory out there. If we're living in a world where the goal is to constantly be empowering ourselves and evolving, Mm -hmm. right? If we ask the question, who am I? You know, back for me in 2015, when I had no idea who I was, is it a trick question, right? If you're constantly learning and growing and who I was then may not be who I am now, is who am I? Is the answer to that question, I don't know. And it's okay because you can constantly be whoever you want, right? Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. You've made a lot of great points and I'm glad you highlighted that one in particular. I think that's the ongoing question. And that's really kind of the existential question of life is who am I? What do I want to do and be? And if you're not constantly asking yourself that question, then you have stalled and you want to kind of tap on the door and say, hey, let me in. I need to figure this out because who you are in your 20s is not who you are in your 30s, who's not who you are in your 40s. And I encourage everybody to explore that and keep asking yourselves because you'll be surprised. You do lose little pieces of yourself along the way, but you also acquire so much life experience and so many new opportunities come your way that you can evolve and you can grow. And I will tell you from a relationship perspective, my goal when I work with couples is always to have each person in the couple be independent. We form an interdependence, not a codependence. And when you have a codependent relationship, we wind up stalling. 
because our dreams and our aspirations and our desires and our wishes are dependent on another person versus both of you being independent. I use the analogy of a tree, independent trees that kind of grow together, parallel to each other. I mean, people can't see the visual that I'm making rather than their roots being completely intertwined because then you can be who you want to be and know that no matter what happens, your tree continues to grow. Whether you're with that person, not with that person, your career choices are the same or not. The other point that I really wanted to make that you highlighted is that it doesn't matter if you're happily married. It doesn't matter if you're in a wonderful relationship and it doesn't matter if you're not with anybody or choose never to be with somebody. Who you are is contingent upon you and you have to know yourself and want to grow as a person. And as long as you're doing that, you can be happy in a relationship, out of a relationship with your spouse of 50 years versus your spouse of one year. It's an evolution. And if we lose sight of that and believe that we have to hold on to the roles that are given to us when we have children and I'm always going to be a mom or when I get married and I'm always going to be a wife or when I become a CEO in a company and I'm always going to be a CEO, then we lose sight of so many of our wonderful attributes. And it's funny, people come to me for exactly this is like, we call it career transition, but I call it life evolution. And I use uh, life transition, right? It's my word for it. And it's, you know, I gave up my six-figure income when I wanted to have children, or I got divorced and now I need to make money and I've been out of the workforce for so many years. Or, you know what? I have all of these hobbies that I love doing that I put on the back burner, and I would love to bring that back into my life. And I think that's a big part. Like I can use myself as an example. Yeah, I'm a psychologist. I do love what I do, but I don't do it full time. In fact, I actually did it all ass backwards and I was quote unquote retired when I met my husband my now husband, I moved up to New York and quit my job in HR consulting. And I went up to New York and I thought it was only going to be a year. So I didn't want to get licensed in New York and get a job. And it wound up being almost four years. And I literally walked around the city every single day, had no kids, no responsibilities. And then I got pregnant and we moved back down to Florida. And I was like, oh, now that I'm having a child, it was amazing that a patient fell from the sky and I started to work. Like now I've just like taken all of this retirement, had no responsibilities and added all of this. And I do love what I do, but I do it part-time because I am a mommy also. Well, what happened? I reached out to you and I was like, hey, Rachel, I've had this idea that I want to write a book. And I really started sitting down and writing this book because I had what I call an avocational interest. And I started writing this book and it just sounded better because I write like I talk, if I would do it just talking, because it would save me a lot of time and energy. And that's when I reached out to you and said, hey, I have this idea. Would you be willing to partner with me? Because I wanted to reinvent myself, not change all of who I am, but add another part of me. Because as I've gotten older, I'm more confident in my ability to say the things that I've learned and acquired and seen from my patients in life. And I want to put it out there. So that's just an example of being married and being a mommy and being happy in my life, but just knowing that I have a greater purpose and wanting to put something else out there. Also, some people, at least the feedback I get from some people, maybe in response to some of my articles or just in talking or whatnot, people don't even 
remember to take the time to figure out what they're interested in Mm -hmm. or what their passion is. And you'd think that's such an easy question. You know, like, how do you take your coffee, right? I mean, you either like it with milk or you don't. But when you ask someone, well, what's your passion? Because it is just that a passion, you would think the answer would just be a knee-jerk reaction. I love to do this or I can't wait to try that. And I'm amazed sometimes at how much of a pause people Mm -hmm. have. And I do think it circles back to this societal norm of what your role is. And I know we're kind of boxing out the men on this because we're kind of focused here on like the women, they give up a career, they're having the baby, now what, whatever. But I don't want to exclude the men. And Mm -hmm. from a different angle, I want the men, especially now in in the age demographic that we're in. And, you know, I don't know, I would imagine the listeners out there are probably within our bracket of kids that are on the cusp of needing us, but not needing us as much. Mm -hmm. And to the men out there, if you are in your own societal norm of I get up in the morning, I put on my work clothes, I go to work, I'm the one making the money. And, you know, she's she. I hate when men say she. she like doesn't she have a name I, mm. I find that so degrading but that maybe that's another topic um but my wife or my partner or whatever is home taking care of the kids and so on and so forth and they forget while everything that's happening at home in order to make that wheel keep moving right they too have passions and needs and desires and if they've forgotten about it then certainly their spouses have forgotten that they've forgotten about it because nobody knows anymore. And I do think it's so important that men need to be encouraging when a wife says, you know what, honey, I don't know what my purpose is anymore. And I Mm -hmm. I need to find my way. And maybe that's threatening for a man, Mm -hmm. I would think, right? Sure. Like, uh uh-oh, the boat is being rocked here a little bit. And then they get a little resentful. What do you mean? I'm working so hard. And isn't this enough? And look at what I'm doing. And yeah, everything that you're doing is fantastic. but short of me changing diapers, being the carpool, you know, Mm -hmm. executive, going to the supermarket, unloading the dishwasher and all of that. It's like, I remember I used to say like, oh my God, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. Right. (laughs) Okay. Like I'm going to pee in my pants. I have to go to the bathroom. And in the midst of trying to get to the bathroom, I had all of my parental responsibilities that I had to do, which in the aggregate, none of it was life or death. But in the moment, I have to change the kid's diaper. And now, oh my God, the garbage needs to go out. And when I take Mm -hmm. the garbage out, oh, wait, there's mail. Let me take the mail. And now I'm sifting through the mail. Oh, there's a bill. Let me pay the bill. Wait a minute. Now I have to switch the laundry again. Oh, I have to go to the bathroom. I don't have time to go to the bathroom, right? Now, on and on and on and on. Oh, now it's time to go pick up the kids. The next thing I know, the whole day has gone by. And I'm like, oh, no wonder I'm constipated. Right? <laughs> like, I never went to the bathroom and now, like, the right. And then you want that shoulder to say, oh my God, like the whole day went by and I didn't accomplish what I wanted to for me. Mm-hmm. And that little mohill, right? Mm-hmm. Over time, it does become a mountain. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we all have to remember that we are worth not losing ourselves. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, when you paint the picture that way, I forget what it's like (laughs) to have those little children. And then even if you get to the bathroom, you have little visitors in the bathroom with you. It's not like you can actually go by yourself. And in the family system, there's a homeostasis that happens, right? And if everybody's doing their role, everything works, works in quotes, right? Until it doesn't. And that's that threatening piece to the, usually to the man, but oftentimes to the woman where something changes and you're like, wait, wait, what? Like, but this is working. And so what I always encourage my patients to do is start when you have the first transition in your life. So let's say it's marriage, let's say it's children, whatever that transition is, you need self-care. 
without self-care, knowing your passions, knowing who you want, we get this message that like we can't do for ourselves. And if we don't do for ourselves, we are no good to other people. So I always use the analogy that Stephen Covey uses, right? When you go on an airplane, put your mask on first before you can assist somebody else, right? And we lose that. We totally lose that. And it's not only from our own mommy guilt, and I'm using mommy just because that was the analogy used, but then when other people see us not doing that, they think it gives them permission to treat us in that same way and be like, no, but of course you can go get the laundry done or you can do this. And I hate when people say you're a stay-at-home mom. Like, okay, but that's like a real job. And if you actually sat in the stay-at-home mom position for a day, I guarantee you, you would quit and find another job, right? Because it's hard work. So it is definitely something where I say you have to, from the beginning, incorporate self-care into your life the same way that you incorporate carpool, that you incorporate paying your bills, that you incorporate planning a birthday party, whatever the case may be. And self-care can look like anything. But the one self-care that I always encourage people to do, whether they are men, women, kids, adults, whether they're in my office for anxiety, depression, relationship issues, career change, stages of life transitions, journaling. To me, that is paramount. And I say that because it's your private thoughts that are coming out in a way that you can reflect on where you are in that moment. And you can ask yourselves the questions. Who am I? What am I liking about what I'm doing? What am I liking about what I'm not doing? Where do I see myself? Because I am telling you, I have a caseload of people right now who are at transitions, whether it's graduating from college, trying to figure out what they are going to do. I have people who've been married for 10 years questioning, am I going to stay in this relationship or not stay in this relationship? I have a vast majority of women who are coming to me saying, oh my God, like you said, my kids don't need me anymore. Like, what am I going to do? Who am I? Because I can't live the next 40 years of my life with while my partner goes to work, sitting, having coffee and playing tennis. Like I just can't do it. So I encourage everybody at these stages to ask themselves, what makes me happy? Where do I see myself? And we have this amazing opportunity, like you said, Phoenix University. I'll say social media, multi-level marketing, work from home, part-time jobs. There is so much out there. And if you can't find it vocationally, start asking yourself, what are my passions? What do I love doing? What excites me? What am I drawn to when I hear my friends speak about what they're doing? Yes, yes, and yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love that. If only my kids learned that word too. (laughs) Um, No, and I have have a few points I want to make and I'm going to try to remember, but speaking of memory, to your point of journaling and writing it down, there's that old joke, you know, where we all say like, oh, I don't have to write it down. I'll definitely remember. Guess what, everyone? No, you won't. Nope. We barely even remembered to like log onto the computer to record this podcast this morning. So, so get the journal out. Listen, my blog was birthed from a place. Now, granted, too, it speaks to technology and where we are in our world today. My blog was literally a online version of that journal that you speak of. And it was a way for me to get my emotions out and my thoughts out. And yeah, did I take the approach of I'm going to share it with the world? Yeah. Well, the world, <laughs> the 11 <laughs> people who read my blog. But that being said, that was a cathartic thing for me to start up or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the word is. And it's my baby now. It's a way for me to nurture myself to get those emotions out. And you should see, you know, my pocketbook with my physical journals or my little stay at home office where I'm constantly writing and taking. I don't want to see that. (laughs) I mean, it is as unpolished as it gets. Exactly. 
even my phone in the notes section, I have mm-hmm. notes after notes after notes that I'm constantly writing things down to remember because I know that I won't. So journal, yes, that's my first yes. The second yes is I'm hopeful that our generation where we we struggle with this identity of who we are, who do we want to be, and how do we get there, that mm-hmm. our children will see that hopefully if we're successful at it, that we're constantly reinventing ourselves and that will set an example for our children's generation to not fall into that rabbit hole, so to speak, of of the crisis, that potential midlife crisis or pre-midlife crisis of what do I do? Who am I? Oh my God. Before it becomes a problem, you find a solution, right? And... With that being said, these side hustles, it doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be money driven. For me, it was a it was a survival mode, right? But to your point, there's all these women out there who are selling makeup online, they're selling exercise equipment online or, mm-hmm. or clothes or whatever it is, this multi-level, whatever, whatever. There are ways, and then we are leading by example. I wrote again in another article way back when you said, you know, find what makes you happy, write it down. I did an article on side hustle quite mm. some time ago. And I was trying to explain the difference between your work hustle, right? Your struggle hustle with what you do because it pays the bills. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean, right? You have to find time for this. People like us who are constantly going and moving and trying to fill in every hour of their day, there's also that side hustle that is your passion and those yep. passion projects. And the reason I bring it up and then I'll shut up and I'll pass the mic back to you is that in a retelling of a story, I was at work and I am grinding it out and grinding it out and grinding it out. And I had packed up all my stuff and I was going home literally to log back onto the computer to keep going and keep going, keep trying to make my numbers or whatever it was. And a woman in my office passed me in the stairwell and I like whizzed by her and she was like, where are you off to? Like, what, what are you in such a rush for? And I must have said something like, oh, I have to get home. I have to keep going, whatever. And she looked and I guess she knows that my passion is the writing and the blog and whatnot at the time. And she said to me, Rachel, slow down. Mm. She said, the work will be there tomorrow. Go home and do what you love. Go home, write something clever and funny and witty and make me laugh. And that will fill you up. And then when you come back tomorrow, your tank will be refueled and re-energized. And she helped me in that moment that I freaking mm-hmm. wrote an article about it because <laughs> It's so true. And you never know where your inspiration is going to come from. And I do encourage people. It doesn't always have to be about the dollar. And granted, the dollar helps. It makes the world go around. But filling your soul with passion projects that fill you up and light you up, there's so much more value out of that that you can't put a price tag on. Absolutely. And like I said, for many people, they are money driven, whether they have to be or they aren't, right? When I do career counseling with people or transitions and help people figure out where do they want to go, I spend more time talking about a vocational interest where you're not going to get the dollar sign. But like you said, you fill your tank up with something good. I spent years, I mean, I still do, but I spent years in a volunteer position in our community. And people would look at me and they're like, really, Lori? Like, don't you have like so many balls juggling? And I would say, I do. But this one speaks to me. And this one makes me feel really good giving back to other people. I don't make a dollar from it. In fact, I lose thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a year giving to it. But I know that I'm building up the future generations and the community. And to me, that is everything. 
So again, I encourage people to think outside of the box. And the other thing I just want to go back to is I grew up with a father who must have reinvented himself about eight times. And he did very well for himself. You know, he was an attorney and he was in the import-export business for meat and he retired at 40. We should only be so lucky, right? And then like couldn't stop because he like had other passions in him and not to belabor, a, you know, a long story, but he went everything from doing, doing insurance to going back and getting his certified financial planner degree thing and being a vice president for a large bank. And then That fell through because they were making cuts and he then did mergers and acquisitions. And by the way, at 56, I believe, or 55, 56, he decided to join the police academy. So that was clearly not for money. That was clearly out of a passion that he had. And it eventually led to him owning a security guard business. And the greatest part of the story, and not for anything other than this, is my father died at 57, but he died doing what he absolutely loved doing. He rode a motorcycle and saw clients and talked about bringing in business. And so to me, that is the most amazing story of recreating and reinventing yourself and doing what you love doing. And I can't encourage people enough. When you love what you're doing, all the little shit that we get so fixated on and so hung up on, it doesn't matter. We're internally happy. We are better spouses. We are better parents. We are better girlfriends. We are better employees. We are better people because we are genuinely internally happy. Well, bravo to your dad and brava to you because we've said a lot in previous episodes, kind of apple tree and you are where you come from unless you want to fly the coop and, and, you know, you didn't have good experiences. But from the doctor perspective and listeners out there may have this question. I know I do. So that's why I think maybe other people do too. Um, So from a clinical perspective, though, as you were speaking, I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe the reason that you're comfortable with so many balls in the air and you juggle them with grace for the most part, (laughs) um, or if they fall, you have the tools to know how to pick it back up and and fake it till you make it or whatever the case may be, Mm -hmm. uh, because you're the product of an environment that you grew up in. What happens for people who grew and and not that one is right and one is wrong, Mm -hmm. but people who grew up in an environment where potentially that family model, their mother or father, or both for that matter, had the same career. You know, I'm, it's funny, I'm the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. My parents both were professional people, you know, highly educated in the same career, their entire career. Now, my Mm -hmm. mom had gone back to school when I was a young girl and started her career after having children. But that's all I knew as a kid. Sure. And my dad had a successful practice, you know, for 40 plus years. So my head frame, right? The only narrative that I know is you study to be something, you are successful at it, and that's your legacy, right? Mm-hmm. So in today's world where it's okay to stop a career, start a career, have a career, but get another career, 12 careers at the same time, have a project. It's a passion. Make some money. Don't make some money. There's a little bit of a mind fuck with that. So can you speak a little to that, that just because what you know in the past doesn't have to define, again, back to this redefining ourselves. It doesn't Mm -hmm. always have to be what you're comfortable with, which leads us back to what we've talked about in the past. Sometimes it's so scary to step outside what your comfort zone is. And then we sit in the discomfort because we know in our core that this isn't working anymore. I need to branch out. I don't want to be that 
caterpillar in a cocoon anymore. Like I want to spread my wings and fly, but I'm scared. And how do I do it? And will I be supported, whether it's emotionally, financially, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about that a little? Well, so it's interesting. I mean, yes, at 50 years ago, that's what you were born and raised to do. The wife the wife at the time, right, would stay home and raise their children. And you were encouraged to be either a nurse or a teacher or something along that. So when you were done having children, you could go back and have your career. My mother, case in point, was a school librarian. I know this comes as a shock to everybody that I am a product of a school librarian. And literally, she had a few positions and she was a teacher before that, but she had a few positions. But her longest tenure was 32 years at a Jewish day school. Okay. So you can totally see that I'm rocking all my inner mother in my life. Not. Your mom would have sent a lot of notes home to my mom <laughs> that went something like this. Dear Mrs. Silver, your daughter hasn't returned the library books <laughs> and they're overdue and you owe us a lot more than 11 cents. And not to say that I was home because I had so much reading that I was actually doing. I probably lost it. Or the dog ate it. So your mom would definitely not have liked me. <laughs> And I, my mother hated when she received the letters about me losing the library. But she said, how could you do that? You know, I'm a librarian. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I get it. So I saw that. So I had one that did that, right? And post-divorce, because my parents were divorced, you know, she needed to make money, but she loved reading. So it was a kind of a passion-ish type of thing, but it's what she knew. And then I had my father doing this. Now, when I did career transition work in HR consulting and all those things, the image other than maybe in some helping professions and, you know, that doctors, dentists, lawyers, whatever, I'm not lawyers. Well, I guess maybe lawyers, but psychologists and teachers and nurses and stuff like that, the business people of the world, you're not in the same business and the same job for 50 years where you're getting your retirement watch and calling it a day. Society has shifted. It is way more normal now for people to make lateral moves or move up within different companies, utilizing, and this I really want to point out, utilizing transferable skills. And if you don't take anything else from this besides passion projects and transferable skills, then you will be successful. And what I mean by transferable skills is just because you claim your identity as a mom, as though that's not worth something, or as a college student, or as a whatever, doesn't mean that you're useless going into another job or career. Do you know how many people have said to me, and I remember freaking out about this too when I was going back into the work world where you're looking for new jobs or you're putting your resume together and you're like, I don't know how to use Excel, PowerPoint. Yes, I am powerful at making points. <laughs> I mean, what is PowerPoint? And that is really scary. Uh, it, mm -hmm. Or you go back after all these years of staying at home and now, you, yes, you, you're committed and you, you're scared, but you're going to do it anyway, right? You're going to jump into the deep end of the swimming pool. But then you're like, wait a minute, the ad in the paper, or what, I, I don't even, even <laughs> get this, even that there's websites to find, find jobs. careers. You know, well, how do I even get on that? Or how do I search through it? And now they're asking that you need X amount of years of experience with words and things that we've been in this mommy cocoon for so long, you feel inadequate and feel as though, well, wait, oh, I guess, um, I guess I can't do that. Or I guess I can't do this either. And now what? And we don't want people to give up. Absolutely. Right. So, so back to your point about, you know, whatever these transferable skills are, well, what that I can make a big ZD while I'm also folding laundry. No, but you can multitask really well. Okay, well, let me know how that goes over when you go into, yeah, I mean. But if you're going into, right, you, you can multitask very well. You empathize with people. You work well with others. You are an out-of-the-box thinker. You are, yeah, you may not have a PowerPoint, 
okay? But PowerPoint is teachable. You can learn PowerPoint. You can't learn how to relate to other people. You can't learn how to delegate. You can't really learn how, I mean, yes, they're coachable skills, but you can't really learn those things. Like I can't teach you how to communicate effectively with coworkers. Like, yeah, maybe I can coach you, but I'm not going to fundamentally change that in you. So there are a lot of things. And if you look back in your previous work experience, what are some of those things that you still are capable of doing? Yes, I'm not going to sit here and say it is easy because technology technology has advanced more than anything else. And (laughs) I'm laughing because when you're saying um, (laughs) like previous jobs, I'm thinking, could you imagine like going into your first day at a job that you got with like your big brother computer? Remember those word processors? (laughs) I mean, they were literally like the big square thing. Here I am, my first day. (laughs) Well, I hope we would coach you enough to at least go get a laptop right? Like a smaller laptop and we bring you up on technology a little bit, just a little bit. There's so many things. My first job when I was teetering with getting divorced and whatnot, I literally faked it till I made it. And this is even what I said from years and years ago when I went into the financial world, which that was my career, you know, until I was having my first son and, you know, was about to give birth. I remember walking into that in, it was a career fair and I, I didn't know anything, anything about the financial industry other than the fact that you buy low and you sell high. That was pretty much it, right? All I know. That's it. But I remember walking in and I had said to the guy who had become my boss, he said, do you have a resume? And I said, "Uh, I do. And I'm happy to, to provide it to you, but I will tell you that there's nothing on that piece of paper that is going to warrant what you would think would deem appropriate for me to become, I guess at the time it was like a stockbroker or you mm-hmm. know whatever. I said, but I'm a quick study and I am not afraid of men. Even I know it's a very male driven sure. industry. I'm not afraid of that. I'll work really hard. I'll be the first one there. I'll be the last one to leave. And then, you know, I'll ask questions and I may have to ask once, maybe even twice, a third time. And then once I I have it, I have it. And lo and behold, you know, 11, 12 years later, that had been my job. And I didn't know anything. And was I shitting in my pants almost every day until the wheels started moving and I knew what I was doing? Yes. But you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. And you got to, first of all, come at it from a place of, look, I've handled a lot worse. I've done a lot more, right? So again, transferable skill sets. Like you realize that not knowing everything is totally okay. You'll figure it out. I will tell you, when I went back to work after getting my license in psychology and came out of retirement, actually, I wasn't in retirement yet. I lied right after I needed a job because I had to move after my dad died and I just needed a job for money. And I figured, okay, well, I have a doctorate. Like I should be employable. Like I should. And I didn't want to go into private practice because quite frankly, I wasn't in a clear state to deal with other people's problems, right? Like I was very honest with myself. So I got this job in HR consulting and I did team building, leadership development, executive coaching. But I had to put together like, what were they called? RFPs, right? Like requests for whatever. And they used this terminology. Like one of the words was like, we had to build our bench and like bench strength. And I'm like, what are we like a baseball team? Like, what the hell does this mean? And I had to put together these formal papers. I had no idea. And I felt so fraudulent. And I want to put out there that we all have imposter syndrome, especially when we make a career transition or start a new job. That is just FYI, you're going to have it and you're just going to have to work through it. And there are ways to work through it and knowledge is power. So just keep acquiring and learning. You will feel fine eventually, but just be aware of that. Like, I don't want to set people up to fail. That being said, that's how I felt. 
And I'm thinking, how am I coaching other people who are in businesses? And I've never been inside a business. Like I've never worked in corporate America until this job. And you've come to realize that at the end of all of it, it's about building relationships and relating to other people. And you teach yourself the gaps of where you feel like you're falling short. See, and I would say like, what, Dr. Boca? At the end of the day, nobody knows anything and we're all fucking figuring it out as we go. And Absolutely. Right. So that should be kind of like a, we should all take a sigh of relief. We literally are all kind of in the same boat and maybe over time, yes, we, we finesse what our skills are and we hone in and we do get better and better. But truly, we're all kind of just figuring it out. And there's something really, really cathartic about hearing that from a professional standpoint, because we all want to succeed and no one wants to be like the new kid on on that bench, right? It doesn't feel good to to not be good at something you want to be really good at or to be the newbie. We all want to be the best, I think, right? I mean, I know I do. So some of my insecurities come from a place of, holy shit, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And in whatever it is, whether it is making that meal and uh, am I going to be able to to, to pull the wool over my kids' eyes when they're like, wow, mom, that was really great. And I'm like, "Mm, I kind of bought it from the store and I just put it in a baking (laughs) dish that looks like I made it, but great. If you liked it, you know, Exactly. Um, But that's exactly what my point is. You just have to do it. And, you know, and and the other thing that we have to kind of keep in our head, and I like to spend some time talking about little tricks of the trade, so to speak, right? Because you need to keep in your head the fact that everybody started new at one point and everybody had these same anxieties and went through the same stressors. And on the flip side is, guess what? You're not going to make everybody happy all of the time. You don't know. So just do it if it feels like it's right for you. If you don't know the answer to the question or you don't know if they're going to like the lasagna or you don't know if X, Y, and Z, it's okay. Some people are going to like it and other people are going to hate it. And that's just fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes again. Oh my God. There's just so many yeses. Can I record that and teach my children how to just say yes? Yes. Anything you say, mommy, yes, because that would make my life so much easier. Well, that button that they have, I guess, at Office Depot, that's like the no. Do they also have a yes button? I have not found it yet. But if I do, I will put the link on all our social media and hopefully I'll get a, hey, another job opportunity. You can start getting kickbacks when people use your link to a site. So if you're a professional shopper and love shopping, there you go. There's your side gig. Okay. I'm very creative in helping people come up with ways to start new businesses and jobs. And that's the thing too, to the point you were saying before on social media that every little nook and cranny now has become a career if you want it to be. Look, those two ladies who like to take refrigerators and color coordinate your your condiments. (laughs) To me, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you've now created not only a career, but now you're on television, you're nationwide. These women out there are color coordinating Everything. Every closet, every pantry, every nook and cranny, and it's unbelievable. Now, if they came here, I would beg to differ that there's no way they could teach me to keep it as organized longer than 15 minutes. Right, but that's okay. Because, seem realistic, but, but that's they made okay. a career out of it, and kudos the, to them. And guess what? They would come into your home, you would pay them, and their job is done. What you do with it from that point on doesn't matter. So they are basically faking it till they make it also because they've leveraged an opportunity to get people to buy into whatever it is that they're doing, knowing full well that, yeah, 90% of the people are not going to color coordinate their condiments. Good for them. Yeah. And there's a million other things like that. People will come to your house and teach you how to cook food. 
right? People will come to your house and get all your old clothes that you never wear anymore. And then all of a sudden they're putting it on a website and, and three weeks later, they send you a check in the mail. You know, they mm-hmm. take a piece of it, but of nonetheless, they've made the clutter people. Well, I guess maybe that's also with those edit ladies who come in and clean your refrigerator out for you. But I guess sky's the limit. And in closing, I guess, right? Figure out what fuels your fire. What gets you up in the morning that you really enjoy? Whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, whether it is any other kind of form of exercise, whether it's reading, join a book club or start a book club and talk about what inspires you. Start a podcast, write mm-hmm. a blog, right? I, I you know, those are all to school, right? I've yep. always said I kind of missed my mark. I probably should have gone to law school. I, think I could I say that. Have been a great lawyer. And I don't know, maybe after this podcast, I should look up the University of Phoenix <laughs> and I can do it, you know, in my, my in my bedroom closet at two o'clock in the morning and take online classes. And, you know, when I'm 68 years old, I can You'll be your lawyer. I will be an attorney. But guess what? I can if I will, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one more point before we close is I'm hoping that all the listeners out there that are feeling depressed as their kids are going off to college and are kind of sitting there saying, well, what am I going to do? I hope I'm just picking that one group of people right now. But look, I know people who support a political candidate or whatever, and they lose. And now their career is like, well, what the hell am I going to do now? Whatever the case is, there's going to be an overwhelming sense of loss. And there's going to be an overwhelming sense of sadness and depression and anxiety. And that is normal. It's a normal response to abnormal situations. And when I say abnormal, this doesn't happen every day in our lives. I don't want you guys to sit in that too long without feeling hopeful that there are opportunities out there. And if you need help, getting there and getting like the cobwebs out and figuring out how to reframe things, you know, reach out, reach out to us, reach out to, you know, a career counselor, reach out to someone who helps you with resumes, reach out to people that are in positions that you aspire to be in and figure out how they did it. Because I want you all to realize that this is how we live our lives. We just constantly have to be reinventing ourselves, empowering ourselves, figuring out ways to bring happiness into our life. So I want this to be a hopeful thing. I want you guys to feel encouraged by this. And if you need any help, I know that Rachel's going to give you all the ways that you can reach out to us. Yes, that's one of my jobs, right? It is. One of of my passion projects within this passion project (laughs) is that I get to tell you all the ways that you can find us. So here I go. You can always find us on our social media platforms. We are at Unpolished Therapy on Instagram. We are Unpolished Therapy on Facebook. I do believe we're on Twitter at Untherapy. And if you're well-versed and you're looking to help us, right? You know, we're still newbies in this whole social media world, how to get ourselves out there. So if anyone's looking to pick up some time in their own little passion project of helping two old ladies figure out how to live and swim and breathe in a world of technology that I'm still carrying around a brother word processor, (laughs) so to speak, right? Well, proverbially speaking, right? In this world of technology, we are definitely behind the eight ball. Then hit us up and let us know. But we are unpolished therapy at gmail.com. We're around. We're here. We want to talk to you. We want to know how you reinvent yourself. We want to know how you have redefined yourself through the different channels of your life and the different stages and the chapters. It's okay to want to close one chapter and open up another one. It's okay if you want to do it, even if 
things in your life are going smoothly, but you want to just empower yourself more. It's okay and normal. If you want to make changes because you're not comfortable where you're at, all of it is okay. And if you've done it, share with us. Yes, because that will inspire other people. And look at that. You might have a career being able to inspire other people because of the experiences that you've gone through. So thank you for sitting with this with me. Rachel, I'm so grateful because this really was such a pressing topic. It's been like slamming me in the face. And I'm so happy that you went along on the ride with me. I hope we helped some people along the way. Yeah, no, I think we actually parked the car today. We didn't <sighs> ram into a tree. Did and- we parallel park it or did, is that oh, pressing our no, luck? No, no, <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. no. You're, you're getting ahead of yourself. You just parked the car. We're still in the car. We're <laughs> idling because we still have so many directions with this, right? Mm-hmm. We can be anything that we want to be. And we have to believe in ourselves that the sky is the limit. And I will take away from this that even within all of my wheels that are constantly spinning, there's always something more for me. And I can't wait to continue to fuel my passions and put one foot in front of the other. And there's so much more of living that I can't wait to do. And part of this experience that we have had together is reminding me of that and opening up my eyes to see that the world is so beautiful. And I don't want to be boxed in as just a mom or a divorced mom or a single mom or a working mom to just make ends meet because I have to pay the bills. And passions can exist while you're still doing your work hustle, but the side hustle helps get you there. And we are strength in numbers, everyone out there. So please share with us. We cannot be the only people that feel this way. It's okay to feel how you feel. We're here to break it down, talk about it, and to keep moving, to keep moving. Love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm so excited. And I'm sure this is going to be a topic we'll come back to. Absolutely. So everyone, you know, next week we will be here. We're here in between too, if you want to reach out. But of course, at the corner of audacity and advice, is where you will find myself, Rachel Silver Cohen, and of course, the wonderful Dr. Boca. We'll see you next week when our wheels and yours get spun upside down. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage. <laughs>